Okay. We're gonna get started one minute early. So hopefully we don't go over. It's our last day together. Uh, uh, we have been talking about how we're addicted to our phones and how that's a strange thing to be addicted to, but we are. And uh, the first day we covered just uh, the reality of our addiction. The second day we looked at some ways in which our phones are affecting us and changing us. And today what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at two more ways in which our phones are changing us and then I'd like to talk, get real practical and talk about some ways in which we can actually work against that change or the ways in which we can actually, what we can do about it, if you will. Um, yesterday during this hour, I had an elective, I mean I had a chaperone come up to me and say that there was someone in the back, some kid in the back who was leaning against the wall and he was watching a show on Netflix while I was teaching. Um, which I kind of respect a little bit. <laughs> um, I mean, you do that in the stressed out elective, okay, I got you. But to come and do it in the phone elective, wow. All right, so kudos to that kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're making my point for me. All right, uh, so let's just jump right into it. Let me pray. Lord, uh, help us. Help us uh, just in these few minutes. Um, we pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we pray that you give us a good last day of Mill Score YM. In Christ's name, amen. Alright, so uh, we're losing our literacy. We're losing our literacy. Now, what do I mean by that, okay? Your generation. Well, you read more words than my generation did. There's no question about it. You read more words. The problem is, is even though you read more words, you retain less of the information than my generation did and than previous generations did. You're retaining less. So you're, more is coming in, but as it's washing through your brain, less of it is sticking. Okay? Less of it is sticking. Because what... What we've done, because we do so much reading on this device, is we're training ourselves to skim for highlights rather than to dive deep and, and get context and content. Okay? More words, less content, less context. We're skimming for highlights. When I was in school, we did this. Even without phones. When I was in like middle school, we would have like physical science or biology. Okay? And they would give you a textbook. And it would be like, read the first two chapters of the textbook, and then we're going to have a test on it on Friday. And you didn't have to read the book. I just, you didn't, spoiler alert, I never read it. Because the way the books were written is there would be a bold-faced term, like scattered throughout. So you'd be reading the chapter and it would be like, mitochondria, okay? And you just need to know that that's the powerhouse of the cell. Like, you know, everyone knows that. But, uh, like, it would be like chlorophyll or photosynthesis. And so you just look for those bold-faced terms and you would find out what those meant and you would move on, right? And whether they meant to do it or not, they were teaching us to skim. They were teaching us 
not to dive deep, but to skim. And that's a problem for us. Losing illiteracy is a problem for us because our entire faith is based on, oh no, don't say it, Kurt, it's a book. It's a book. And, and I'm going to say this without blaspheming, it's kind of hard to read. There are no boldface terms. Like, none! It's, there's like parts of this thing that are so dense that, I mean, let me just pull out something really quick. Like, who has ever opened up their book, their Bible, you know, to Numbers chapter 1 and been like, of the people of Judah, the generation by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war. Those listed of the tribe of Judah were 74,600. Of the people of Issachar, their generation by their clans, by their fathers' houses. I think you get the point. Is that this is not like, not always exciting. Okay? That's okay. God knows that. Alright? It's not always entertaining. It's okay to say that. And yet, this is like, vital to what we believe is the essence of life. Okay? And it's a book. And it's very dangerous for us to train ourselves to skim because we would never want to skim this. Ever. When you skim, you do this thing called eisegesis. And that's a big word. Okay? But it really means something simple, which means taking a verse out of context, taking a verse out of context and using it however you want. So let me give you a totally fantastical and not real life example of all of how that might work. Let's just say that there's like a politician, you know, that a man or a woman that your parents really like, okay, and they want him or her to win the election, but you find out that they have done or said or thought or, you know, been very bad in some way, okay, your parents might pull out and you say, hey, how would you support this woman or this man? They've, they've done this or they've supported this and, or they've been caught in this and they, they might respond, well, judge not lest you be judged. Okay, that's from Scripture. That is completely out of context, okay? And that is eisegesis, okay? That's taking a verse of Scripture and kind of using it to just mean whatever you want it to mean at the moment, right? It's not really understanding in context what that actually means, alright? Because it means something completely different when you see it in context. It doesn't mean it's not a catch-all so that we can excuse any behavior for someone that we happen to like, okay? Again, I realize that's a fantastical metaphor that could never possibly be applied in real life. But, moving on. Some people are very uncomfortable right now, and I love it. Um, that's why I'm here. Uh, so, what we want to do when we get in the Bible is we want to dive deep. We want to be meticulous. We want to be consistent. It's not about, look, I know that they're going to test you on these things and in many ways like your ACT score and your SAT score are going to be a source of identity for you and define you in some ways and it's going to depress you or excite you, you know, depending upon how you do. But I want you to hear me right now is that there are no time tests in Scripture. We want to take our time and make sure that we dwell and contemplate on what the Scriptures have to say. We don't want to skim. We don't want to look for highlights. In fact, the Bible tells us exactly that. 
In Deuteronomy 6, if you were to ask an Orthodox Jew what the most important verse in the Old Testament is, he would say, there's no such thing as an Old Testament. But then he would say, the most important verse in the Bible, in his Bible, he would probably point you to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8. This is called the Shema, okay? And that's because of the Hebrew word that begins this verse. But, um, verb to hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That all sound familiar to us. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. If you get anything from that passage, you have to get this. is that God wants His people to take His Word and to dwell on it. Not to skim it for the highlights, but to dwell on His Word. To be steeped in His Word. In the New Testament, Paul writes to Timothy, All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It is very dangerous for us, because of our overuse of these devices, to lose our literacy. Because we're actively working against the very thing that God wants us to do. Which is to be drowned in His Scripture. To be constantly... have 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 His Scripture in front of our eyes in our, in our conversations. Okay. So we lose our literacy. The second thing is that we're getting lonelier. You are the loneliest generation in the history of generations. This is not my opinion. This is not like some kind of generational smack talk. This is a sincere bit of empathy for you, which is you are lonely. And the reason that you are lonely is because of this. This has made you lonely. Because technology drives people apart. I know you've seen the cool Apple commercials where the girl gives her AirPods to the guy and then they start dancing in the streets and the streets are magically transformed. But I don't know if you bought some AirPods, but that doesn't exactly happen, alright? You're just listening to your same tired music and podcast, just now there are no wires. That's the only real difference, okay? Plus, you can kind of like flex on people, I guess. I don't know. Or that, I guess that's over now. I guess more people have them. But technology drives us apart. And I can prove that to you. Okay? Don't take my word for it. It used to be that when you wanted to hear live music, and this was not that long ago, when you wanted to hear live music, you had to get in your horse and buggy, and you had to go, or your carriage, or just a walk to town, all right? to hear the local symphony play music. And that was all the music that there was. Alright? Unless you made it yourself, you know, unless you, you know, were some kind of prodigy, you know, that's how you heard music. And that was it. You know? You didn't get to hear music all the time. I think we forget sometimes the sincere, like, blessing and curse that it is that our whole lives are backed by music. That's probably another elective. But, um... We don't have time for that now. But then we figured out how to record music. And we could like play it when we wanted. You know? This is a phonograph. So like it came out this big horn. And um and everyone would gather around. I don't know if you've seen Downton Abbey, but you know, they had one of these and everyone comes downstairs or comes upstairs and 
gets around the radio or the phonograph and listens to the song. You know, everyone together listening to the music. Um, and then uh, we got a more sophisticated version of that called a stereo. All right, and the only reason I include this picture is because my dad had this exact Pioneer stereo. These knobs were so fun to turn and I was not allowed to touch them, um, except when he wasn't watching where I'd go in. I mean, he would always figure it out because I would switch it. Like, they're so heavy. They were like so heavy to turn. It felt so good. It was very tactile. It was very fun. But, so we got stereos and then we figured out how to take those stereos with us. You have a Bluetooth speaker now. Well, we used to not have Bluetooth um, or any of that garbage, but we had this. You know, your generation had dabbing, and in the 80s, then that's cool, I guess, that y'all do this, I don't, whatever. But we had this. This is what you, how you were cool in the 80s, is you carry around this huge boom box, okay? And you could play the radio or your cassette tape in there and let everyone hear how cool you are and what good taste you had. And then, then we figured out how to make it, how to personalize it. We could put our cassette tape. If you don't know what a cassette tape is, I'll explain it to you really quick. It was like... It was, it was just the music from one band and not even like all of their playlists, just like, you know, the one album that they put out. An album was like what they'd done in one recording session. Don't worry about that. It's not important. But, um, the, uh, and, and you stuck it in and it, and it spun and you could hear the music, but you couldn't choose which song to listen to. You had to kind of guess where you were. You just listened to the whole thing at once or you rewind. You try to hear a song again and then you maybe fast forward, but you end up having to hear like the end of a song you don't like or the beginning of a song you go too far. Anyway, all I have to say, I'm glad the tape era is over, all right? But we had Walkmans and they were a thing. And then, this is when I was in high school. Oh man, you were nothing if you did not have one of these, okay? You had to have a portable CD player. Where are my 80s and 90s kids? And um, the uh, and mine was, oh goodness gracious. Just ripped a hole in my pants. That's, that's, not, that's not good. Um, really like these pants. Um, stupid nail. Um, Mine was so janky, I didn't have like the Sony Walkman. I had like um, another kind, I can't remember. And it had to be angled it just the right way so that you could, so the CD wouldn't skip. But you could choose tracks then. Still only one band and only one album, but you could choose tracks. And then eventually that morphed into this thing, um, the iPod, that's a really old iPod. And you can also tell that that's a really bad Photoshop because it's playing Adele, and Adele was like in high school when that iPod came out. But um, anyway, like, we got iPods, and then like we got rid of the cords, and we you know we don't have those anymore. But I want you to know something, okay? I want you to know something about music, okay? And that's like the last roughly 200 years of music history, right there. Um, the, uh, some music history professor is like, no, it's not. Um, but whatever. Anyway, is that? Did you notice that the number of people who's listening, who are listening to the music, is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller? It used to be everybody in the town. And then all of a sudden, it's just this guy. Alright? Because technology divides us. It says that it connects us. But it actually divides us. It isolates us. More important than dividing it, technology isolates us. There is a big difference, a huge difference, between going to a movie theater to see a movie and, binge wa- and watching it on your phone on demand. There's a, the movie is exactly the same, but your experience is completely different. Completely different. Okay? 
Because it's a communal experience versus an isolated solo experience. And your generation is the first generation that can just have any isolated solo experience whenever they want. And they get to completely bypass the community. And that's not an advantage, it's actually a disadvantage. Can I tell you that the first time that the movie The Chronicles of Narnia came out, I'm talking about The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Do y'all remember, like, the, the, I guess it's been, like, what, 10 years or so since that movie came out? Every time, I have a friend named Doug who's really funny, and he was sitting on the road behind us. It was like a packed house, and um, he was sitting, like, right behind me. And every time that Lucy and Mr. Tumnus were on screen together, any time, he would just lean over into my ear and go, they're going to make out. And, um... <laughs> And then every time he'd be like, make out. And it ruined the movie for me. But you know what? I love that memory, okay? I would have never gotten that memory if I'd just been watching that movie by myself. I would have never thought of that because I'm not messed up like Doug. But um, here's the irony, okay, of your generation is that when you are in public... You're always alone because you can just put up your phone and ignore everyone around you. And when you're alone by yourself, you're never really alone because you've got everyone with you, sort of, right? Through your phone. This is the irony of the way that you live, okay? Not only that, not only do you miss out on communal experience, not only are you isolated, but guess what else? You're sleeping less and you're sleeping less well. You're sleeping fewer hours. And your, get, and your REM cycles are shorter. And the reason is, is because this thing is waking you up and it's putting you to bed. And this, has, this emits blue light. And your body is designed that when it sees blue light, to assume that it's morning and it's time to wake up. And some of you are going to be like, well, they have night mode now. It really doesn't make that much of a difference, it turns out. Okay? Is that you still are sleeping less... You're getting less rest, and the rest you get isn't as good. Alright? Again, not because you're some kind of like weaker humans. You're not. Okay? You're not. It's because this is something that we are inflicting upon ourselves through our overuse of this device. Last thing is that you are depressed because of this. And this is not even... This is not debatable. This is not like... This is not... I don't care if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are people that understand the use of this makes you depressed. And there are fools. And those are the only two kinds. Okay? Anyone who argues with me on this is just plain wrong and I won't hear it. Okay? You're just, you're misinformed and you don't know what you're talking about. Because I've seen the charts. And you can see 12 to 24 year olds. There's a little chart over time and it shows... uh, prescribed antidepressant drugs and it just raises up like this like over time and it's like uh, has thought about or has attempted suicide and it raises up on the exact same curve almost or is like um, has indicated that they struggle with anxiety or depression and it raises up on the exact same it's, it's all on the same curve right it all happened at the exact same time and there's another little chart that goes that fits in just perfectly with another little line and it says social media use 12 to 24 year olds um who, who say that they use social media. They are directly connected. It's not like, that's not a coincidence. The more that you use this, the more that you use your phone, the more that you're on social media, the more that you Snapchat, the more that you Instagram, the more depressed you get. You know, And then you might be like, well, I use it and I'm not depressed. I'm not saying that you will be depressed. I'm saying you're more depressed than you would be if you weren't using it. All right? Understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that everyone who uses Instagram has depression. I'm saying that everyone who uses Instagram is more depressed than they would be if they didn't use it. 
And that's not a debate. That is, as you guys like to say, that's facts. Okay? That's facts. Alright? So we're lonelier. What does the Word of God have to say? What does God promise His people? He actually promises His He promises us the very two things that we are robbing ourselves of by using this device. Look what he says to Moses in Exodus 33. This is before they go into the promised land. And Moses doesn't want to go any further unless God promises to go with him. And God says, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God's promise to Moses is this. You will not be alone and I will give you rest. What are the two things that this thing has taken from you? Two of the things. It's making you lonely and it's taking your rest. And God says, I want to give you the very two things that you're robbing yourself of. Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, this is Joshua, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Come to me all... This is Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 or 14. I can't remember. Oh, it says right there. 11. Um, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay? Our God is a God of rest. Okay? He wants to give you rest. Christianity is designed that you might be revived, renewed, and refreshed. It is not supposed to be a chore. Alright? Keeping this up is a chore. Okay, those are the problems. We've done them. Okay? We're addicted to distraction, we ignore our flesh and blood, we crave immediate approval, we're losing our literacy, and we get lonely. Now, before I enter into this next section of this elective and make you all mad, or more mad, um, I want to say something. If you're a Christian, and you're within the sound of my voice right now, I I want you to hear me say this. Your wise use or foolish use of your phone does not determine your relationship with God. If you are addicted to your phone or if you are using it in in a God-honoring way, either way, you're doing that in Christ. And God is bigger than your addictions. Okay? So what I'm about to do is I'm about to give you some guidelines or some things that you can actually do to help yourself put your phone under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But what I don't want you to think is that if you do these things, God will love you and you will be a good Christian and you can look down your nose at all the silly hypocrites who aren't doing it. You're a budding Pharisee, okay? And I know you far more, far better than you even know yourself right now. You're a budding Pharisee if you're thinking that. And you need the Gospel. So do not think that this is... I'm very hesitant to give anybody any rules or guidelines because people take them and they go to the extreme and they use them as some kind of personal self-righteousness that they can lord over other people. That's not what we're doing here. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, hey, look, these are the problems that we know exist. Let's figure out how we can stay in this world but not be of this world. Does that make sense? All right, let's move on. I don't even care if any of you nodded. I'm just going to keep going. All right. First and foremost, what do we do? All right, here are some tips. Turn off all non-essential... Turn off all non-essential notifications on your phone. This is baby mode. Everyone can do this. Everyone should do it. Okay? It's simple. Alright? You just go to Notification Center and you turn notifications off for everything but phone calls and text messages. And that's it. We've already established that one of the big problems that we have is that we are addicted or we have trained ourselves to answer when this thing calls. So let's limit when it can call us. 
Okay? Let's limit. My phone, and I have an Apple Watch, which at Colorado someone was like, aren't you a hypocrite for having an Apple Watch? And they didn't know that my wife gave the, the watch to me as a present while I was preparing for this. So I didn't even ask for it. And I also didn't know how to use it. Didn't even know how to count my steps on it. So um, just really happy to have it. Happy to have it. Love her. Great gift that she gave me. Don't totally know how to use it yet. But my watch only goes off for, and my, or my phone only goes off for three things. A text message, a phone call, and then this monitors like your activity level. So like in Colorado, it was like, are you running for your life? Like, why, why, why have you gone 600% over your exercise goal since 11 a.m.? Like, why is your heart rate so high? Should I call an ambulance? Like, I'm not kidding. Like, these are the things that my watch was telling me. Um, so those are the only times that it ever really messes with me. And that's by design because I want to check my phone when I want to check it. Not when, not, I don't want to listen to it. I want it to listen to me. Also, should mention before we go any further in this is that I don't do all these things all the time. I'm not always good about it, so understand that. You know, you're going to be like, "You're a hypocrite." I saw you looking at your phone and be like, "Okay, thanks, bud." Um, you, the point, your your head. Anyway, here we go. Um, Delete expired non-essential apps. If you have an app on your phone and you're not using it, get rid of it. There's no point in having it there. All right? That's just an opportunity for you to waste time. Maybe you were into Brawl Stars and you, know, you realize that it's kind of a lame game. Like, all right, well, get rid of it. All right? Like, you don't play it anymore. You know, maybe you, whatever it is, get rid of it if you're not using it. Get your phone out of your bedroom. Okay, these are the three most, this would be a great start for you to do these three things. Here's why you have to get your phone out of your bedroom. Alright, you have to charge it in the kitchen or in the living room. You cannot, and someone, well, someone's going to say to you, well, you charged your phone in your bedroom all week at RYM. Well, thank you, okay? I don't know where else to charge it, alright? Like, I can just charge it outside, like, um, someone eventually will say that to me. But, um, guys, you need to put your phone to bed at night. And you need to wake your phone up in the morning. But it doesn't need to be the first thing that you touch or see in the morning. It doesn't need to be the first thing that you touch or see, at last thing that you touch or see at night. It does, does not, you do not need to fall asleep with it in your hand, like laying on your side with one earbud in, like watching one more episode of The Office like this. You're not going to sleep well. You're going to sleep better, okay? But also it's going to give you opportunity to like maybe like get in God's Word in the morning. Alarm clocks are cheap, by the way. They're super cheap, all right? And they're portable. And like some of them don't even need like, some of them run on battery for like years. So like just buy an alarm clock, okay? Buy an alarm clock and don't let the phone set your schedule. If you just did try this for a month, this would be a great start, okay? This would be an excellent start to what we're trying to do, all right? Is just to do those three things. There's more though, okay? I'm gonna, eventually we're going to get to the point where we're going to be like, okay, I can't do that anymore. And that's when I'm going to give you a real pep talk. But here we go. Use some self-restricting apps to limit your use. There are apps you can use like Moment or Bark or different apps that you can use that will limit what you can do, okay? I'm going to give time for questions at the end, so I, I got you, my man. Um, but... Restrict your use. Look, invite criticism and check your phone on your schedule. Look, I'll just tell you something. I don't have Safari on this phone. Okay? It's not on here. You can look through it later if you want. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to. Just a bunch of pictures of my youth and my children. Um, but I don't have Safari on this phone. Instead, I have a really crappy app called Covenant Eyes. And um, 
I have Covenant Eyes on my phone. And I say this, I, it's a good app for what it does, but as a web browser, it is straight garbo. Like, it, it never... I go to a website one time, it's like a favorite. I go to a website a hundred times, it doesn't remember it at all. It doesn't, like, it doesn't make, I've not figured out how to use it at all. Like, I have to literally type in like www dot for everything that I want to see. Why do I have Covenant Eyes on my phone? Okay? Well, what Covenant Eyes does is every website that I visit, it creates a log. And then it sends that log to my wife. Alright? And so my wife can see everything that I look at. Now, do I do that because it's fun? No, I do not. Why do I do that? Do I do that because somehow my wife is in charge of my life? No, that's not true either. Um, why do I do that? Because guess what? I know that I'm human and I might be tempted to look at something that I don't need to look at. And you know what's nice to know? Is that if I try to do that, that someone else is going to see it. That's called accountability, guys. Everyone needs it. You think you're above that? You're, I got news for you. You're not a Christian. <laughs> you're not. You think you're, you think you're above accountability? Yeah, you're not. I'm, I'm gonna tell, I'm just straight up tell you right now. You don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, you need to really check yourself. You don't understand sin or anything. Like, everybody needs accountability. Everyone does. No one has arrived. Your pastors, your parents, your peers, everybody needs it. All right? They need it on this and they need it in their lives. And anyone who says that they don't need it, and I'm not saying you have to have covenant eyes, but I'm saying anyone who says they don't need accountability doesn't understand the gospel and doesn't understand the deceitfulness of their own heart, their sin. You need it. All right? So you need to invite criticism of your use of your phone. You need to give over full access to your phone to other people. All right, hold on. We're going to come back to that. Let's, let's go over here. You need to give full access to your phone. You need to create more than you consume. Okay? I'll tell you another story about me. I took a hard look at myself in college. Okay? A real hard look. And I was like, Kurt, you're never going to convince some girl to marry you. You don't have anything going for you. Like, you're not athletic. You're not particularly good looking. Like... You've got nothing. We've got to like develop these skills somehow. Like we've got to like take this ball of clay and mold it into like a slightly less bad ball of clay. And um, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna learn to play guitar. And so I would work in the summers trying to make money, and at night I would just like I would I would just grind. Like I bought a hundred and fifty dollar guitar. I just grinded on that thing for a long time. And now I could play. And I'm not like, I'm not good enough to play with the guys in the band, but if I had to, I could hang with them a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, um, and guess what? I was, uh, I was leading worship at RUF in Mississippi State. I was a senior, and this girl walked up to me and she was like, Hey, I really like the songs that we sang tonight. I've never even really heard them before. Have you ever heard of them? Well, guess what? I married that girl. All right? So it worked. All right? Like, it straight up worked. Um, and I'm not promising you that if you learn to play guitar that you will get a wife, but you will definitely increase your chances. Um, <laughs> and right now, she's, she would have some witty, funny things to say about that. But, uh, the, you know, she didn't know what she was getting into. She might, the guitar might not have been enough. But, um, but the point is this is that I would have never learned to do that. These guys have got to go. you got to go serve. Um, I would never have learned to do that. I would never learn to create if I was constantly consuming. If I was constantly consuming all the time, I would have never learned to create. 
So you need to take some time. I truly believe because you're made in God's image and you're made, you're made to create that everyone needs a creative outlet. And you will not find that creative outlet if you're constantly consuming other people. We serve a God who is a consuming fire. We don't consume, we are consumed. So we, we serve a God, we're made in His image, who created things we're made to create. I don't know for you if that's drawing or singing or a musical instrument or um, whether it's... I would argue that even athleticism in some ways is creative is a creative good. Like, or whether it's... Well, I don't know what it is, painting. But you need to take some time to do that, right? Because you are... That's a part of who you are, a key part of who you are. Create more than you consume. Let's go back for a second, all right? And also, in your car, let's talk. and sit, Let's put our phone down and let's talk. You might find out that your parents, like, were in middle school and high school. And, like, they might not know about using phones or Snapchat. Or they might know, like, they might not know, like, what low-key means. But I'll tell you this. They do know what it's like for, for, your parents definitely know what it's like to like someone and then not like you back. They've had to deal with that. Um, let's go back here. Let's talk about fasting. Alright, this is the next level. Fasting is a biblical concept that is recommended over and over again. By not eating, like fasting from food, what happens is, is that we learn that we're counting on God to provide our sustenance that it's not just the work of our own hands. So, fat, fasting from things is a very, it's a good practice for all believers. And one thing that we should do is we should fast from our phones. And I'm going to give you a guideline for how that might look. And some of you are really not going to like this or say that it's impossible. And this is where I have the personal, I know I don't look like a personal trainer, I got it. But, like, this is where personal trainer Kirk comes out and says, look at me, everyone look at me in the eye right now. You can absolutely do what I'm about to say. Every one of you can do it. Okay, I believe in you and I know that you can do it. Fast from your phone for one waking hour a day. Turn your phone off when you're awake for one hour a day. Everything that, you, that needs to happen in that hour will be waiting for you at the end of that hour. Turn it off for an hour a day. Turn it off for one day a week. I know what day that is for you, but turn it off. Maybe it's Sunday. But take your phone and turn it off and say, I'm just going to be present. Some of you look so scared right now. You're like, oh, I'm, ne- I can ne- I'm never doing that. And the fact that you think you can never do it shows just how addicted you are, by the way. Um, like, turn it off for a whole day a week. I know some people in here are like, well, I'm a mom and I've got to pick up my kids or whatever. Well, I'm not telling you to do it on Wednesday afternoon. Um, you know, pick a day when you know where your kids are. And, I, you know, I understand that. You have to figure it out on your own schedule. But... Also, I would remind you that we've been mothering children for like thousands of years without phones. So I'm pretty sure you can do it too. Um, so let's just think about that for a second before we say, well, there's just no way. All right? There is a way. I promise there's a way. Our entire history of the human species says there's a way. But sure, I'm sure you've got it figured out. Anyway, I know that's easy for me to say. I'm not a mom. Um, and for one week a year... For a solid week, for seven days a year, just turn your phone off. Okay? Now listen, these things are already built into my life. So it's easy for me to say, when I read that, I was like, I can never, I was just like you, I could never do it. And then I realized that I already did. Okay? The week thing, we go on a mission trip every year and we have to put our phones away for the whole mission trip. So I'm already doing it. I didn't even realize it. See how easy that was? 
Check one, alright? Day a week? That's, that's easy, okay? That's easy time, alright? If you're a pastor in here and you're like, well, I'm an important pastor, I can't put my phone away, just try Fridays. Well, in my experience, no one has spiritual crises on Fridays. Um, it just seems to never happen. It's always, it's always on Monday when people, you know, when people really need something. And the hour a day, look, that's like, I mean, come on. Who can't do a waking hour a day? Just turn it off, you know, turn it off fast. You know what you'll discover, okay? Here's what you'll discover. When I was in college, I keep talking about when I was in college. Everything that happened to me did not happen in college, but a lot of things did. It was a real time of spiritual awakening. When I was in college, I started tithing. I started tithing. I started giving away 10% of all the money that I made. And you know what happened? Crazy thing happened. I was never richer. I, I've had more money. And it wasn't like... You know how they say like the Lord's going to give it back to you? You think it's like some kind of Holy Spirit accounting? Like somehow like they like... It's not. It's super practical actually. Like turns out, lo and behold, God is wise. Somehow, we, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that. But here's what happened. Is that when I started to give away 10% of my money, I got real selective about where that other 90% went. I started paying real close attention to that 90%. And I started to manage it really well. And I started to have a lot more of it. That 90% got bigger and bigger and bigger. Right? Because I managed it well. If you will give away some time on your phone, if you will give away some time on your phone, you know what's going to happen? You're going to become much more efficient and use your phone much... You're going to be... You're going to use your phone in a much more healthy and efficient way if you give away some of that time. Alright? This is the principle behind the Sabbath. It's the principle behind tithing. It's the principle behind a lot of things in, in the Bible. Is that by giving away part of it, we're taking ownership of it, and all of a sudden we're using it in a, in a better way. Look, some of you, I've got that screen time app that Apple snuck in or whatever, and you're checking your screen time. Some of you are like five and six hours a day on your phone. Alright? So some, don't be shaking your ass. Some of you are shaking your head. Maybe you're not, but there are a lot of people that are. And even higher than that. You're even higher than that. Guys, that is a full-time job. That's a full... Six hours over seven days is 42 hours a week. If you would just put your phone down and go work at McDonald's, you could be raking in 40K a year. Seriously. That's... So... And a lot of that time is wasted time. But if you will fast from your phones, if you'll just try this, try it for a year, alright? Come back and talk to me next year, alright? If they let me come back. Come back and talk to me next year. I promise that your use of your phone, that you'll thank me. Alright? I know that when I did this, when I started trying to do this, that my use of my phone got much more efficient and I, was, I, I lived a better life. I was more present. I was more awake. I was more aware of what's going on. So try fasting. Okay? Tr- giving over full access. Okay. This is where I talk about that we have that all these ideas come from different books and that I didn't come up with them myself. But Tony Reinke's 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, Adam Alter's Irresistible, and uh, The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. Those are all really good books that you should read. Okay, I try to leave at the end of my elective some time for some questions and comments because you never know when someone's got something that they want to ask. I will say right now that I don't have all the answers and I might not have any of them. So you feel free to ask me a question. There's no guarantee that you're going to get an answer that you like. Um, and feel free if you're a leader especially to make a comment if you want to make one. But is there, are there any questions about what we've covered so far? None? 
Oh, they must have done a great job. All right. Um, I'll say one thing before we close. Just a reminder. You're addicted to your phone, okay? You are. But God has been saving addicts for years and years and years, and He can save you too. Alright? We're trying... If we're going to try to hold every thought captive, we might as well try to hold every device captive too. Right? So, what we're doing here is we're not doing a guilt trip, and we're not trying to work our way to heaven. What we're doing is like, hey, this is a problem in our lives. Jesus can handle this problem. Lord, help me handle it. Alright, we're, we're lifting this up. We're lifting our phone, wherever mine is. It's down there. We're lifting it up to the Lord and saying, look, Lord, this is something that you've given me and you've put in my life. Help me use it to your glory instead of my own glo- instead of trying to increase my own glory. I hope that makes sense. Um, let me pray for us. Lord, it's the end of a long week and there's a lot to think about. And we've heard some great teaching at night. And we've been in these electives and we've been trying to apply your word. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace that, through your spirit that you'd allow us to do it. That you'd allow us to take the truth, the eternal truths of your scripture. And to, that they would, you would, through your spirit, you'd work them into our hearts. That you would change us from the inside out. And that it would bear fruit in the way that we handle technology and the way that we handle everything, Lord. Um, Lord, we know we're, we're relying on you to do this because we could never do it on our own. We pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ and for His sake. Amen. Thank you guys.